0: Well, good morning. Indeed, there are so many images, aren't there, where we can look at in our lives that are definitely worth a thousand words. There certainly are times in life, the ups and downs of life, if you will, where there are certain things that we experience where we experience joy and we experience so many things going well in the way that we intend them to. And then there's other times as well where where things don't go according to plan, that we experience pain, that we experience suffering. And it is interesting because whenever we're in that mode, sometimes we're surprised, we think to ourselves, wait, what do you mean that we experience trouble? What do you mean that we experience pain and suffering? Like we're some sort of surprise that this could happen. But actually, we shouldn't be so surprised because after all, Jesus even says that in this time on this earth here, that we are going to experience pain. We are going to experience trials and difficulties and tribulations in life. And so no matter what the circumstance is, here's the thing, though, is that whenever we experience the pit of despair, if you will, the downs of life, it's it's easy to allow discouragement to come into our life. And ultimately, discouragement can be a joy. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, about discouragement. It can destroy our dreams, and it can destroy the way that God wants us to live. And it's something that everyone here has in common. See, what I love about this idea of discouragement is that we're all gonna face it. We've all faced it in the past. We're all gonna face it again in the future. And so really, you are not alone. So whenever you experience discouragement, just know that you are not alone. In fact, you can look at the people to the left, to the right of you, and you can recognize that they too were all in the same boat. That they've experienced discouragement just like you've experienced discouragement. And here's the thing, it's almost like a, it, it, can, it can grow slowly in our lives and it can kind of hide in the corners of our life and it could grow slowly. Kind of like, think of like mold, just, just growing. And, and then we have this layers inside of us of this negativity of this, this pessimism that is just growing. See now, here's the thing though, because we've all experienced this, one of the things that actually kind of annoys me is whenever I meet someone who who acts like that they've never experienced any sort of discouragement, that they've never experienced any sort of loss or, or pain or suffering in their life, that nothing is ever wrong with them. And yet we all know that that's just not true, that it's just a mask that sometimes people will wear just to cover up what can be going on in their lives. See, everyone gets discouraged, but here's the thing. Discouragement itself is actually not a sin. Now, how we react to discouragement can be sinful, but discouragement itself is not a sin. And what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be talking today about how we could learn from it and how we can limit it in our lives. Now, discouragement though, it does come. Now, it, can, it comes and then it goes. So think of it kind of like a breeze of wind. Now, sometimes whenever wind comes, it, it's just a soft breeze, isn't it? Sometimes you just barely feel it in your hair. But then other times it can come, it can be like a tornado. And it can destroy homes, it can destroy lives. But here's the thing is that it does come and it does go. So here's the thing though, discouragement does cause damage. And so on your notes here, we're gonna start to look at two different ways that discouragement, Uh, causes damage. And so if you have your notes, they're in your bulletin or if you're joining us online, we actually have them on our website at stmarkphx.org. And if you go to online, you'll see sermon notes there. I encourage you to use these or maybe open up your notes app in your phone or something and actually use these uh, throughout the week. But here's the first thing that damage or that discouragement does to cause damage. The first one is that it sidetracks us from really living. And I say really living. Did you know that God has a plan for you. God has a will for your life. And and in fact, Jesus even says that I have come so that you can have life and you can have life to its fullest. God has an intention for you to live, a calling for us to live by. And discouragement actually sidetracks us from that godly living. Uh, For example, I heard this story about a guy a few years ago who was in New York and he was homeless and he was an alcoholic and, and he saw a building actually get set on fire and when everyone else is running, I don't know what motivated him, but he just had this desire to actually go in and he boldly went into this, this burning building and he ended up rescuing this woman and her baby. And he's being interviewed, and he says, he says, oh, well, yeah, I don't know what happened. I mean, and I'm really not a hero. I'm not anything special. I'm just, I'm just an alcoholic bum. That's just who I am. And that's what he said on the interview. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that that woman would describe this man as just an alcoholic bum? No, absolutely. See, what happened to this man was it wasn't just a light breeze of discouragement. This was the tornado of discouragement. And it happened probably years and years and years that drove him to that place. That he can view himself one way, and yet other people clearly see him as something different but that's what discouragement does. Now you may be saying to yourself, well, Mike, that's a cute story, but you know, I'm not homeless and well, uh, my discouragement hasn't pushed me to the bottle and, and I would say, okay, well, let's look at other ways that discouragement can cause damage in your life. Maybe it's not as explicit as that. Maybe it's more subtle, but it's just as powerful. It's just as dangerous. It can hide like when I described the mold, just hiding in corners of your life, just slowly growing this cancerous kind of effect. You see, the second way, though, that discouragement causes damage is that it makes you more vulnerable to temptation. You see, discouragement, it makes your emotional barriers lower and you're more likely now to give into temptation. I mean, think about it this way. Think about the times that you're just motivated to just eat an entire box of Krispy Kreme or an entire gallon of Ben & Jerry's. It is whenever you've experienced some sort of discouragement in your life, right? And that's what we do. Whenever we face discouragement, our barriers go down. And here's what we say. We say four words that, that are dangerous. We say, I might as well. Uh, I might as well. I might as well eat that. I might as well drink that. I might as well lie about that. I might as well steal that. You see, whenever we experience discouragement, our barriers are lowered and we're often more likely to give into temptation. Now, here's the interesting thing though is that we experience guilt from giving into that temptation, which, guess what, causes us to be more discouraged. And then whenever we're more discouraged, then we're more likely to give in to temptation. You see how it's a a vicious downward spiral as a result of that. And then now we're not living the way that God has intended us to live. So now we could just close in prayer and be on out of here, and some of you would really like that. But I'm gonna personalize this, okay? I am. I'm gonna personalize this. We're We're gonna get real for a minute, okay? Ask yourself this question. What is discouraging you. What makes you discouraged? Uh, Could it be something at work? Could it be something with your family, your health, your grades in school, money? Think about these things. And again, as I said earlier, that if you can share any of those things of discouragement, you're not alone. So do the people to the left, so do the people to the right of you, that we all experience these things. In fact, this is so common to humanity that we see this come up a lot in the Bible. If we look at King David, for example, he experienced the highest to highs in his kingship and the lowest to lows. He got discouraged. And in fact, he actually wrote about his discouragement a lot in the book of Psalms. Now, Psalms are like songs, and, and they're, but they're, if you were to look at them, though, they're not all the same. In fact, you can put them in different categories. Like some are uh, Psalms of praise, some are wisdom and then some are this category we call lament. Now, lament is a really churchy way of saying whining, all right? And that's basically what David writes a lot about in the book of Psalms. In fact, if you were to actually go through categorically and say, okay, how many are Psalms of praise? How many are Psalms of wisdom? How many are Psalms of lament? Guess guess which one has the most number of Psalms? It's lament. And Psalms by the way is the largest book in the Bible. So, let's just unpack this for a second. Are you ready? The largest book in the Bible with the largest category in the Bible is all about people complaining. How about that? And isn't that amazing that, that that's what it is and it shows us that whenever we're in that pit of despair that we can cry out to God. God is a God who hears. God is a God who who listens. But ultimately though, if we're gonna get past discouragement, rather than dwell in it, rather than stay in it, rather than go through that downward spiral that I talked about, we gotta do two things. We gotta learn from it and we have to limit it. So to learn from it, you gotta ask yourself a series of questions. So the first question to ask you is this, when am I usually discouraged? When am I usually discouraged? Are you usually discouraged whenever you're stressed out? Are you usually discouraged whenever you come home and, and you look around your house and realize that it's really messy? Uh, could it be that whenever your, your kids are fighting, you gotta ask this question, at what times do you recognize that, hey, that's a time whenever I get discouraged? Maybe it's whenever you let people down. Maybe it's whenever you don't do something right at work. You just gotta recognize what are those things and write those things down. When do I usually get discouraged? Now, the second question, though, is going to go a little bit past that, and it's going to ask this question of why, okay? So we've got to really get to the, the root of things. So rather than just recognizing that, hey, this is whenever I get discouraged, I mean, that's good. That's a starting place. We've got to move to the second question, though, of, of why. What's really at the root of, of this? And I'll just use this example. So, for example, I get discouraged whenever my kids are fighting, and at the root of it, though, it's, it's mainly because, I mean, yes, it is pot, partly because, well, uh, I just don't like the, the screaming and the yelling and everything, right? But, but think of it this way, that it's also because of the root of it is because of fear, that my wife and I, we have, we've prayed for our kids and we have intentions for our kids to be raised a certain way and to, as adults, act a certain way. And so whenever they're fighting or they're, they're doing things that are wrong, I feel discouraged for that, and the root of it is fear. And then I'll give you this other one here. The root of that then becomes guilt, that, well, maybe I just haven't done enough. And so if we really look at it, we can identify this is when I'm discouraged, but really get at the root of it. What, what is really causing this here? All right, the third one here is the what. What would God say to me right now? See, again, the, the guy who I had mentioned in the opening story about the burning building, he sees himself one way. Now, I'm just this, and by the way, side note i hate the word just (laughs) i really do uh it it just is like nails on a chalkboard whenever i hear especially some of my uh leaders say oh well i'm just a volunteer and that just nails on a chalkboard anyways but but here's what he would say he would say that you know i'm just an alcoholic bum but but do you really think that god looks at him and that that's how god sees him certainly that woman would not look at him and say that so how what do you say about yourself? What in, inner talk do you give yourself? Do you label yourself? And what, what is God saying to you? And even if you look at the example that I just gave about how well I struggle at times with, with fear and with guilt, let's look at this real quickly. What would God say to someone who is experiencing fear? Would, would God not say things like, oh, I don't know, do not be afraid for I am with you? Do you think that if someone struggles with guilt, do you think that God cannot remind that person of his grace and the cross and what Jesus has done for us? So we got to ask this question, what does God say to me? And then we go into this fourth thing here, which is where? Where do I need to change? See, in order to break a cycle, you got to do something different. And I know this sounds obvious, right? The whole thing about uh, expecting Doing the same thing and expecting different results, but but ultimately you do. You got to change something. Uh, a lot of times, by the way, this could be just your environment, just the situation that you're in. So. If you're experiencing a lot of negativity, and then that's what's causing you to have your little pity party where you walk around, stomp your feet, and cry. If if that's what's if if you just decide that hey, this I'm receiving this feed of negativity in my life from people or from a social media group or something like that, then we just got to recognize that well, hey, you know we got to cut this out. We do, maybe we have to evaluate some relationships. Maybe we have to evaluate certain apps or groups that we're a part of, or different media sources that that feed into this negativity. So a lot of times it is around the environment, but, but it could be other things too. You gotta ask yourself this question, what are you gonna change? What am I gonna change? What am I gonna do differently? And so we have to, Be proactive, we have now learned from it. These are good questions to ask yourself, reflect on to learn from, and now we're gonna be proactive to limit it. And I'm gonna give you four quick things here and then we'll close up. So the first thing here is to schedule leisure, schedule leisure. Now, I know some of you may be saying, but Mike, that sounds like an oxymoron. I mean, do you really have to plan out your downtime? And the answer is yes, yes, you do. Because if you don't, then it's just too easy for, for you to not have it, for you to not actually carve that time out. It can just quickly become filled with other things. And we're such busybodies, we like to keep going and doing, but God actually calls us to stop and to rest. And, and he calls us, to do this, uh, and actually to do it on a weekly basis. In fact, it's the whole concept of what we call the Sabbath, where we take time, to de- we take an entire day to dedicate to God, and we say, God, I'm honoring this. This is your day. And and so during this day, it, it involves worship, things like like this, where we come together, the body of Christ to worship. Also, it includes rest, it includes family time, but ultimately we have to schedule our leisure. And whenever we schedule our leisure, whenever we actually experience that downtime, so often whenever we rest and we're, we're being recharged, that that gives us the fuel, that gives us the ability to go forward in the week with that, lifting that burden, with that encouragement. And so we see this, that God modeled it. And Uh, and all the way back in creation, that he actually rested on the seventh day, which is our uh, passage here from Genesis 2. All right, second thing is to practice encouragement. Practice encouragement. Now, this actually makes sense that if you want to get out of and limit your discouragement, uh, there has to be some sort of encouragement in there doesn't it and and by the way i can just tell you that that there are people in my life who are very encouraging to me they are just encouragers they have that spiritual gift and they practice and they practice it well and and honestly i can't get enough of it i can't get enough of them right and and so we've all experienced the effect of encouragement in our life about how it really does change our perspective it changes how we we view things how we go about things it really does doesn't it And in fact, whenever you encourage someone else, then that's a way to limit discouragement because not only are you building them up, you're encouraging them, but it also changes you. And why does it do that? Well, obviously because part of getting out of this little pity party here about where you're stomping your feet and feeling sorry for yourself is to get the focus off of yourself and onto other people. So practice encouragement. So we have this passage here from Ephesians 4, and it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. In fact, uh, this verse here stuck out to... Uh, a few people that they even decided to name their band after this verse. Their band called F- Building 429 is built off of this because it's about building people up with words. And then the 429 from Ephesians. And so, but I think about this often that we're using words. Words are powerful. You know, some people say sticks and stones may break my bones, words never hurt me. That's a lie. Words are absolutely very, very, very powerful, and they could hurt, but they could also build up, kind of like a brick. A brick can destroy, but it could also build. In the same way, use your words to encourage others, to build others up. Now, make it a habit. Now, you can even start with something simple like, I don't know, every day you're going to say one encouraging thing to one person. Uh, Just, But just start, just make it a habit. Now, if you don't know what to say, you can say superficial things like, hey, nice shirt, or you can say things like, hey, your deodorant really is working today, all right? But start with something. Just just start with something simple. And here's a quick tip on this note. Here's a quick tip. Is that hang on to the encouragement that you receive. Um, I have a friend of mine in Texas who's a youth leader. and And he said that he would... Um, collect all of his uh, notes that people would send him throughout the years. So if uh, Christmas cards or just any time that someone had an encouraging thing to say about him or to him, he, he would just keep it all, and he would keep it in a drawer. And then whenever he was discouraged, he would simply open that drawer. And then right there, he has a full source of encouragement. So there's a little quick tip. Rather than just throwing everything away, hang on to some things. All right, the third thing we're going to do here is to pray for our source of discouragement. Pray for your source of discouragement. So it's like this. If you're at the grocery store and a stranger makes an offhand comment and it discourages you, or let's say that you're in a meeting and let's say that your boss had said something that was discouraging or whatever, here's, here's a way that you can limit your discouragement. And you can find it. Are you ready? Is to simply pray for that person all right? And and just, and, and go over the top with it. Pray that God would bless that person so abundantly. I mean, really spend time in prayer that God would, would guide that person, be with that person, bless that person, protect that person. Because if you start, rather than just getting into that downward cycle, that pity party, rather than go through that, instead, instead, Pray for that person. In fact, that's actually what Jesus says to do here on the Sermon on the Mount. He said that you have heard it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I guarantee you, this is a surefire way of of limiting discouragement in your life. The fourth and last thing that we're going to talk about today is to focus, change your change from the internal to the eternal, from the internal to the eternal. So here's what I mean. Whenever we have our pity party and we have this pessimism, this negativity, this discouragement, despair, attitude, whenever we have that in our lives, we say things like this. We say things like, well, my needs aren't being met. My dreams aren't being fulfilled. I'm not getting my way. Now, let me just ask you, did you notice anything and that? Did any one word stick out a little bit? Yeah. You see, what happens is we, we get so locked in on ourselves, and, and we're just focusing on, on our needs, that it's no wonder that we experience that downward spiral. Instead, what we're called to do, a way to limit discouragement in our lives, is to, rather than get the focus off of ourselves, is now to look up to heaven, and to look up, ultimately, to focus on God and His promises. You see, my high school group, we've been going through the book of Revelation and we're now in the final chapters of Revelation. And really to sum up this whole book, and what I keep telling the kids is two words, God wins. And you see that so clearly at the end about how Jesus is victorious, that God wins. And part of the point of Revelation was written, was written for comfort, which sounds kind of weird, but it was because at the time, so many people were experiencing persecution and hardships in their life that, that how God really wanted to end the Bible was with God wins, uh, showing the end result, but also to help us to focus on that, to go through life with no matter how hard life gets, and life will get hard, no matter how, how hard or painful, all of this is just temporary. We are to be focused on the eternal, the things that that are not of this world, but rather in heaven. In fact, we actually have this promise from, from Jesus. He says this in John 14. He says this, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So ultimately, the, the best way to limit our discouragement and our despair and our pity party is ultimately to have the end goal in mind, to recognize that, the, yeah, that we are experiencing this on this side of heaven, this earth, but you know, this is only temporary, and it's gonna get better that one day I'm gonna be at home a final home with with Jesus. And and really, you could even do that. You could even do that as an exercise whenever you're discouraged. Just close your eyes and imagine that home that Jesus is building for you because he says he's doing it. I mean, that's one of his promises and that we get to have that as our focus. And I mean, after all, eternity is coming sooner than we think. Last I checked the mortality rate is still 100 percent. And as well, we all have to acknowledge that everyone here in this room we're not exactly getting younger, are we? I mean, wake up and smell the metal musclesel. So here's the thing, is that we have to focus on that as, as the end goal, on the eternal, that God is building our home in heaven. Now, I, I can recognize that as, we've, have I, as I've prepared for this, and, and as you're listening to this, you can think of mistakes that you've made. You can think of, of times in your life where, where you have handled discouragement in, in a very unhelpful way. And that we focused on ourselves and we've had the pity party and we haven't fully trusted or relied on God's promises. And that's exactly why Jesus came. He came to die on the cross, for our sins, that we can be forgiven of our sins, that we can experience this new life in his name. So, cheer up, focus on that which is eternal. And I'll close with this one phrase here from Psalm 43. It says, why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for this time here where we can really get into your word and we can talk about real things that are happening in our lives, this area of discouragement. And God, we confess that all of us at times experience discouragement. And and so Lord, we we need your grace. We need your promises into our lives. So God, we pray that we can cling to these things and ultimately, Lord, that we we can turn to you and to help us to overcome that temptation, these battles of discouragement. And all this we pray. Amen.